1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500 500. Five, four, three, two, one. But who's counting, right? And his name is Major. Oh, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Major Garrett from the nation's capital.
2: Major. Fantastic. It's the takeout. This
1: is a major achievement. With CBS News Chief Washington Correspondent. Major Major Garrett.
2: Yes, CBS. Yes, hi.
3: Major Garrett. Major, that's nonsense. And you should know better.
2: Is Major out of the doghouse? (laughs) The answer is yes.
0: Welcome to the very best part of my broadcast week. You know, I like to say about this program that the takeout has, at times, convening authority. Well, we've convened an enormously important voice in my life, maybe in yours, but certainly in mine. Rob Manfred. Who is he? He's the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and we're at Major League Baseball headquarters, right in Midtown, New York City. Right over my shoulder, you see 6th Avenue, or you see over the commissioner's shoulder, 6th Avenue. Mr. Commissioner, it's great to have you with us. Great to be here. Great to be here. So, as you well know, and anyone who knows anything about baseball knows, it has a long history, and some of the economic issues we're going to talk about also have a long history. With your permission, Mr. Commissioner, I'd like to skip over the long history part and really talk about the future of baseball in terms of economics, in terms of things that fans really care about. So let's start with something that's on fans' minds, like mine. I'm a San Diego Padres fan. Uh-huh. I've read all the headlines. Regional Sports Network are dying. I may not be able to see my favorite team this season. What can you tell us about where that stands and what fans should – expect and what your goals as commissioner are in that space? Well,
2: the RSN model is certainly challenged yes. um, as a result of the the changes. Um, Real that quickly
0: for those, regional sports networks were on cable. They were bundled. That was one of the reasons people got cable. Cord right.
2: cutters now,
0: the revenue's down, they're stressed.
2: Exactly. I think that's a quick summary. Yeah, I think that's a very good quick summary, actually. Um, our view is this. Um, we hope that the regionals um, figure out a way to pay the sums that um, they are contracted to pay to our teams and continue to broadcast. Um, We are not interested um, in reducing the revenue that we receive from the RSNs for the simple reason that we believe in the fundamental value of the content. Um, The question is, how do you monetize that content? Um, we hope that they we wish them the best I mean we really do want them to succeed but um, from our perspective the number one priority was to put ourselves in a position we where we could say unequivocally if an RSN decides it can no longer broadcast we will be in a position to step in and make sure that our fans see the games and when you say we you mean Major League Baseball I do I do. Um, I I think the Major League Baseball gets into the production side of the game? Well, you know, we have production capacity already at at, at the MLB network, but we've actually hired a staff, including the individual that ran the Fox RSNs um, at one time. Um, We would produce games using the capacity we have at the network. Um, We would Attempt and I think would be successful in making agreements with distributors to carry the games just mm-hmm. like they do today. Um, so and that, that would be a short-term fix. Well, yeah, it would be a cable-based fix. And let, let me come back to that in just a second. Mm-hmm. But we would also... Um, offer the games digitally. You know, we were the first over-the-top product with TV. Right. We would simply open that product up in market. Um, so from a fan's perspective, it would actually be better, right? If you're a cable person, you could still get the games on cable. If you'd cut the cord, you would have an in-market digital option that does not exist today. Um, And let me say, just to go back on the cable bundle Mm -hmm. for just a second, while the RSNs are challenged, um, there is going to be a remaining cable bundle for some significant period of time it's not gonna go to zero right, right? Um, it's gonna be smaller mm-hmm. but there are economics in that and people more importantly right. than the economics who are cable people and are gonna stay cable people I happen to be one of those I do too. <laughs> um, yes so you know we, we our goal Um, is to make sure, number one, that our fans never miss an opportunity to see our games. And if rights end up coming back to us, um, to get into a distribution system where we offer opportunities, better opportunities to even more fans. Okay. Let's talk about something that I know you worked
0: hard when you campaigned for this job, which you did. That's how you get become commissioner. The owners vote you in. You were prioritizing (laughs) then speed of game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, there have been significant rules changes. Those of you who care about this show know what the rules changes are. We're not going to spend any time on that, but I would like you to explain the journey that went into the rules changes. Because I understand
2: you, not only were you deeply involved, but it was kind of an interesting journey. It was It was interesting. Um, it, you know, going back to 2014 when, when I was elected, um, we did some fundamental research with fans, got the idea of doing that research really from owners who were talking about what they were seeing with respect to the game. Um, What we found when we talked to our fans is that um, there were attributes of the way the game was being played um, that were not positive. They were Um, not attributes, they were (laughs) detriments. Yeah, right. They were a drag. (laughs) You know, it was too long. There was not enough action. Yep. Um, the athleticism of our great players was not fully on display. And um, I thought, uh, as part of the election process, it's important to convey to the owners that I we were not looking or I was not looking to change baseball. I was actually looking to get baseball back. To the game that I recognized as a kid growing up in the 60s, 70s. You said better than I did. You yeah. really did. I mean, and that's
0: that's what it was about from the beginning. Um, and one thing I would say, Mr. Commissioner, is what was bothering me about baseball was it had become too linear. Mm-hmm. A strikeout is a linear thing. Right. A home run is a linear thing. Baseball operates best, most beautifully geometrically. Mm-hmm. You have to see
2: the geometry of the game. 100%. Um, the game had become less dimensional, um, and I, I think that that was to the detriment of, uh, of our fans. Um As with anything um, in baseball, change is not easy. Uh, You know, when you're changing things on the field, um, it's important, whether it's legally required or not, important to have the support of the players Mm -hmm. Um, in in terms of the changes you're making. You know, the last thing you want to do is make a change, have the players opposed to it. The play on the field is disruptive in a way that's not good for fans. You want to avoid that. Um, So we began on a process um, that really had two tracks. One, we began talking to the Players Association about the need for change, why we wanted to do it. And, you know, baseball has a unique opportunity um, in the minor league system. It gives us Mm -hmm. the ability to experiment. On a smaller stage. I mean, yep. a lot of people go to watch minor league baseball. I mean, Tens of millions every mm-hmm. year, but it, it doesn't have, obviously, the profile that, that Major League Baseball does. Um, so we began experimenting with rules. Um, we learned a lot. I mean, about we had ideas, Mm -hmm. some of them worked, some of them (laughs) didn't. Um, We refined them, and and, and that was a very, very important And that was also a signal to the major league players, hey, this is probably coming. More a signal, but more than a signal. Um, If you think about it, this process went on for eight years. So almost, you know, I, I can't give you an exact percentage, but a very large percentage of our players. Had played under Have some, some version is, of these right. rules, and you know when you when you've experienced something, it's a lot easier to accept that change, right. um, than it is when it's you the haven't. great unknown. You've right. never experienced. You just and, and particularly remember it's important to think about change on the field from a player's perspective. Um, players at the absolute. Pinnacle yep. of you know a, a, a pyramid that starts huge at the bottom with you know most eight year olds in America like playing me. some form of yep. baseball and you know they get to the absolute peak. apex yep. and um, they, you know the, the the notion that you're going to change something creates a fear that that change is going to alter their status in the game. So And their rhythm, their I mean, finicky, yeah, their sense absolute, of uh, routine. Routine is yep. the right word. I mean, baseball players are creatures of habit and routine. Um, it's an everyday game. It's kind of yep. one of the features of the game. Anyways, um, so, you, you know, we were... I, I'm going to look at the clock right now, Mr. Commissioner, because I cause I know I can feel you getting
0: to the next stage, and I want to give that ample room. So we've got about 15 seconds before we go to break, folks. Just to set the stage again, we're at Major League Baseball headquarters. Rob Manfred has been kind enough to sit down and talk. We're gonna get all about baseball. It's a game I love. It's a game, it's our America's pastime. No politics, only baseball. Here at The Takeout, I'm Major Garrett, back with Rob Manfred in just one second.
4: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be convenient, comfortable. Ah.
0: Welcome back to the Takeout. We're at Major League Baseball headquarters. You know, if you go to a Major League Baseball game and you catch a foul ball, which I hope you do sometime in your life, if you catch one right now, you look at the baseball, you'll see a signature. Robert D. Manford, Jr., Commissioner of Baseball. He's our special guest.
2: Okay, uh, continue the story about the evolution of the rules changes and adaptability of the players. So the um, next big break really came as part of the negotiations that we had last winter. For the collective bargaining. For the and, and in the course of those negotiations, there was a set of processes that are in the contract to deal with rule changes that were altered. They were altered in a way that I think... Um, provided more ongoing dialogue directly between owners and players on these changes and um, a more definitive process. There's a voting process at the end where you know it's up or down are we doing this or not doing it i should also mention umpires involved in Mm -hmm. that process as well they play a very big role in this a huge role um in terms of managing the day-to-day change you know see they have a lot of responsibilities a huge huge. their workload has gone up and how they manage it will be part of the story and you know they have been um they've done a great job and we can talk about that um but the the process worked the way we hoped it would when we negotiated and there was a vote that authorized us to proceed um, with the three big rule changes um, for this year. Um, I, I think that the most, two most important things uh, about the rollout, number one, the rollout followed and has followed to date the pattern that we saw in the minor leagues. Um, you know, there were violations early people got used to it the violations have gone down and you know you're down under kind of one a game which Mm -hmm. is not significant really in terms of uh, of the play on the field and we did get the kind of outcomes that we were hoping for the kind of 30 minute-ish reduction in game time as i understand mr commissioner you keep track of this every day we do we, you know, I get a report every morning um, as to how we're doing. Two hours um, and thirty minutes. Two thirty-two, three thirty-three. What's the yeah, average of the yeah, night before? We're running uh, two thirty-seven right. right now, compared to a three oh four average from last year. So it runs about. It's running about thirty minutes. Um, we've seen an uptick in batting average, yeah. uh, particularly for left-handed batters because of the elimination of the shift, Um, an increase in stolen base attempts and a higher percentage of successful attempts, which is, you know, people are attributing it to the bases. That's part of it. But the limitation on pickoff attempts Right. which is part of the pitch clock protocol, also very important. So the, the, that was great that it was consistent. You know, we played 8,000 games in the minor leagues. We we thought we knew what was going to happen, but you never – until you get – you know, the big leagues are different. Yep. Um, yep. So um, – And very little and very little player pushback. Well, that was the second point I was going to make. I, uh, the, the players I cannot say enough about. Um, in terms of the adjustment, they – reaffirm what we all know they're great great athletes and if you tell them what the rules are they're going to adjust to them Um, but more than that I think the players were very positive publicly Mm -hmm. about the rule changes and I think they were positive about them in a way that uh, made our fans feel like they were doing this to help the fans um, which is a great message for us do you expect
0: this to have any materially important
2: effect on television ratings oh I think that our ratings will improve I think that um, when you think about the um, way we were playing um, the lack of every time you had a lack of action in the game it was an opportunity to tune away and we know when people tune away, they don't come back. not everybody comes back. No, they don't. Um, so, yeah, I do think it, it, it will have an impact. I know sitting in ballparks, I mean, um, you know, usually when I'm in a ballpark, I'm doing business of some sort. I don't, I, and, I, I'm, I'm you know, sure that's true. I, people would talk to me, and, you know, last year or all the years before that, I never felt like I was missing something. And all of a sudden, this year, starting with the spring training games, it's like, you know, you got to give me a minute here. You know, there's some going yeah, on. Yeah, we just missed four plays. Yeah, yeah. you missed plays. Exactly. Um, and I think that's good for the product.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, really good for the product. So, uh, you know, I live in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. I'm a nominal Nationals fan. I'm a San Diego Padres fan. But you have two franchises and one long-running, separate regional sports network hassle. I don't need to tell you about that. The history of that, it's stuck in the courts, all that. But there are questions now about... Will that arrangement, whatever it is, affect the viability of the Baltimore Orioles? Will they be sold if there's a change in the underlying television economics for that mid-Atlantic sports network? What can you tell my
2: audience about that? Because a lot of people in D.C. will listen to this show. I think that... um both Baltimore and Washington are viable franchises, um, notwithstanding okay. the dispute over mass. And I don't think anybody has to worry about um, there not being the Baltimore Orioles. They're one of our iconic franchises. They're going to be there. Um, look, I think in, in while the agreement, let me use the probably ill-conceived At the beginning, I'm glad to say it was not my project. Um, But, um, and it has spawned this long running dispute. I do think certain developments, including the changes in the RSN market, the litigation where it is, kind of point to the idea that there's going to be a resolution Mm -hmm. sooner rather than later. This year? Um, I hope this year. I really do hope this year. I think that it would be good for both franchises to get this situation resolved and start to move into the next phase. Is the ownership of the Washington Nationals something that's going to be changed this baseball season? Well, they've put the sale process on hold. Right. Um, I think um, eventually there will be a sale process. It's um, Was there something in particular that gummed that up? Well, I think that the the – combination of the change in the family ted learner's passing i think the the feeling was you know they needed to take a step back take a deep breath um i don't think the the masson situation was a positive in terms of that sale process and if in fact i'm right that there are dynamics in place that it might get resolved that would be positive for the sale um, process. will the orioles be put up for sale anytime soon i think john angelos and the angelos family um it, it, They've made public intent- commitments, but there's all these uh, intent- rumblings. Yeah, I, I, I know there's been rumblings out there, and I, I, I know why. I don't see that right now. Usually okay. when we have a seller, um, John's telling me he's not selling. He's saying to me privately what he's saying publicly. And, you know, usually you see some internal signs, and I'm not seeing that right okay. now. Will the Oakland A's move to Las Vegas? Um, Oakland needs a, a, a stadium deal done. Um, They continue to proceed on parallel paths. Uh, The best I can tell you um, uh, about Las Vegas is it is a serious alternative. It's serious enough that I made a trip to Las Vegas myself in January to assure the new governor that we were serious about this. They don't have an agreement yet, um, but I think Las Vegas... Uh, would be a great market for baseball. I really do believe that. What have you learned as a commissioner of the experience of the
0: NFL and the NHL in Las Vegas?
2: I I think that um, the experience of both leagues um, has been really positive um, in in terms of the market kind of outpunching its population numbers, (laughs) um, to be candid. Um, I I think it would be a great spot for us. And I think there's interest in and certainly room for baseball in Vegas.
0: Will baseball expand in the near future?
2: Um, I think the best way to answer that is I, I, Tampa and Oakland need to be resolved right. um, before you're feeling good about Tampa I've heard some more positive yeah, things about been, the I, I new think, stadium there and that's that, yeah, that franchise staying yeah I give Stu Sternberg um, A plus for diligence on that project he stayed at it um, I do think Tampa is a major league market um, a great and, organization. Yeah. Oh, they do a phenomenal job with the resources they have available, and and, and I do think that a new facility in the right location would um, may, might be kind of scary for the rest of baseball. <laughs> Give them additional resources, and <laughs> given how well they've done, they could be very, diff- uh, very, very difficult opponent for a lot of people. For those in
0: Nashville, Portland, who constantly see their names mentioned, <laughs> what can you tell
2: them? Look, I, I personally have said. Um, I see a lot of advantages to 32 teams. Um, it, it certainly helps in terms of scheduling, just the even numbers. Um, I, I think it creates an opportunity where you could look at your alignment. Um, you know, one of the problems we run into in the postseason, we have those four window days, and, you know, inevitably we end up with, you know, New York and Oakland playing each other and it's very hard to schedule that game in a way that doesn't make it tough on the people on the east coast or the people on the west coast if we got into a more geographic realignment i think you could reduce your travel and play up east to west like most of the other sports the voice of rob manfred commissioner of
0: major league baseball we're here at major league baseball headquarters in midtown manhattan i'm major garrett segment three of the takeout coming up in just a second
4: Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place.
0: Welcome back to The Takeout. Rob Manfred is our special guest commissioner of Major League Baseball. Let's talk about betting. Okay. Uh, it has a troubled history in Major League Baseball, yet it's all over the place now. Are you confident that these two can coexist and the game not in any way, shape or
2: form be contaminated by it? I am. I am. I think it begins with the fact that um, baseball has always recognized that the rules that apply to people who work and play in the game um, have to be very strict and prohibit any participation in, in sports betting. Um, and those rules have been maintained. I think that um, the development uh, of Technology surrounding mm-hmm. sports betting, betting yeah. allows you to monitor what's going on in a very effective way, which we do. We spend a lot of money doing it to make sure that we're protecting. What are you monitoring? It, betting behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, and you, you can, you know, you, it is possible to, you know, detect patterns that would suggest that you have a problem and then investigate them. Uh, And we spend a lot of time and money at that um, to make sure regular ongoing basis. uh, Yeah, all the time Mm -hmm. all the time Um,
0: You know, it's uh, and the preponderance of online betting has made things like Las
2: Vegas less problematic for professional leagues. Yeah, I think that um, the Realization um, that is that there can be legalized sports betting um, and still have adequate protection of the integrity of the game has made las vegas an easier um, choice for us and the fact that a matter is as you point out if you want a sports bet you can pretty much do it anywhere now so um now remember and i think it is important um, to point this out we actually were the plaintiff in one of the plaintiffs in the case that ultimately went to the Supreme Court mm-hmm. and legalized sports betting. We were trying to prohibit it or continue it being prohibited. Um, but, you know, at some point you have to accept the legal framework that you're operating in and take advantage of the business opportunities associated with it. One thing that uh, you mentioned in the last segment that I want to double back
0: on, because you said you are a f- in favor generally of 32 teams in the league that would,
2: mm. you got to expand to do that. Right. Is there a timetable for that? I, it's, No timetable that even can be articulated until we know we have Tampa and Oakland resolved. Those have to be resolved. that's kind of the threshold issue.
0: And is that something that you hope resolves itself or can be resolved this calendar
2: year? I'm hopeful. In um, both cases. For the first time... since I've been commissioner, I hopeful that both will get resolved in 23 resolved in the sense that they have agreements as to what's going to happen. Right. And if I hear you reading between the
0: lines, Oakland's window is closing. Las Vegas's window is opening.
2: Yeah. Look, I'm not closing um, foreclosing the possibility um, in in Oakland. That's really John Fisher's Mm -hmm. decision at the end of the day. um, I, I will say this, the pace in Oakland Um, has been slow would be a kind word. Glacial. Yeah, Um, that's a good word. I wasn't going to use it. Um, It did come to mind. I was going to avoid it, but you said it, not me. Um. Let me talk to you about beer.
0: Four teams have announced, because games are ending more quickly, that they are going to sell beer up until the eighth inning. You don't have any control over this. Mm -hmm. Do you have
2: a thought on this? Do you think that's a good idea? Well, I think it Um, You know, I I think our clubs um, in general have um, good programs about responsible drinking Mm -hmm. to promote, you know, a family atmosphere in our ballpark. I think those programs will continue, whether it's the seventh inning or the eighth inning. I'm not sure it materially changes. I mean, I think the other thing that that is relevant to this, um, you know, so many of our ballparks now, they have surrounding entertainment areas so you know what we do in the ballpark is only so relevant um, right. you know because my the- right beloved san diego
0: padres petco park is very near the gas lamp quarter yeah. if you go to fenway park the entire area around fenway wrigley field is that way yankee right. stadium to a lesser extent certainly city field isn't quite as much but many of them do have kind of either if not festival atmospheres something that's approximating that
2: maybe the best of them all true spark in atlanta i mean you know great entertainment district i mean i you know look the world series has its own um you know thrilling mm-hmm. atmosphere no matter where it is i will tell you Um, The World Series in Atlanta with the activity in um, uh, the battery, the surrounding Mm. development, really made that World Series unique and pretty special. Mm
0: -hmm. The uh, Padres will be playing in Mexico City this April, this month, later on this month. What is your thoughts, Commissioner, about the expansion, not of Major League Baseball in the United States, but as an international sport? Um,
2: Look, I think that... um, internationalization uh, of our sport is a crucial strategic objective for the game Um, we have tried to be um, thoughtful about targets we think Mexico um, provides a great opportunity for us not only in mexico but in terms of developing and bringing at least some more mexican players Mm -hmm. to our game we think that you know that mexican presence in our game domestically helps us with a largely mexican-american population um you know the affinity Mm -hmm. uh, associated with that really important um europe has been a priority for us for a long time you know i think Cubs and Cardinals will play in London? Cubs and Cardinals will be in London. We'll be London, London, Paris, London in the next four years. Um, You know, I think one of the biggest setbacks, maybe is the best word, um, from the pandemic was the loss of momentum in, international in, in London? You know, oh, in, internet, in, in London. yeah, in particular, we we had taken the Yankees and the Red Sox. It was wildly successful. I mean, just things like merchandise sales. We we, we sold more merchandise in London in two days than we do in an All Star weekend. I mean, it was just wildly popular. We felt like you know we had momentum in, in Europe, where there's obviously the kind of disposable income that, that that's um, important for an entertainment product and. You know, To not be able to go back for a couple years was unfortunate, but we're going to recapture that magic this summer. Um, what do you say,
0: Mr. Commissioner, to those who say the World Baseball Classic is a joke, It's an inj- it's
2: an injury factory, and it ought not to be played? They ought to come to Miami. Um, and see the atmosphere in the ballpark uh, for the semifinals and finals th- that we had, and and quite frankly, for the f- early round that was played there um, with the Dominicans, the Puerto Ricans, and the Venezuelans, it was a great, great atmosphere in the ballpark. Um, y- you know, in terms of internationalizing the game, we had multiple games where we had more than forty-five percent of the homes in Japan in, in the whole country tuned into these games. Um, We have a product there um, that can really uh, drive international interest in our sport and provide funding for development activities that are really important to the sport. Um, On the injury issue, you know, it's interesting. I I was with three Padres yesterday, and I won't name them because it, but, you know, I I talked to them about the injury issue. Also talked to a member of the Mets while I was out at Citi Field. And the player reaction was exactly the same. They said, you know, it's unfortunate if somebody gets hurt in the WBC, but don't forget, people get hurt in spring training. Reese Hoskins got hurt for the Phillies, fielding a grounder at first base. (laughs) Look, I think... I never want to see in a, a play- spring training game was right. my point ladies and gentlemen. I never want to see a player get hurt no, of course. Not. Uh, and I understand for the teams involved it's a loss that can be, you know, very very difficult to accept. Having said that, um, the upside of the WBC in terms of the growth and internationalization of our sport, it's worth the risk. It's not going anywhere. No, we'll be back. <laughs> we will be back with the WBC. So
0: uh, we've got about a minute before we go, so I'm gonna set you up on this question, but um, a couple of people have suggested to me, going back to the Regional Sports Network, that there's a clause, the Commissioner's Best Interest Clause, that gives you not super natural powers, but powers that, in times of distress, Mm -hmm. you can resolve a situation. So before we go to break, I'm just gonna ask you the question, you can answer it on the other side of it. Do you have power sufficient under that clause to resolve these things in a way that would be more transparent, more rapid, and more reassuring to fans. I'm Major Garrett. We're at Major League Baseball headquarters. Rob Manfred is going to chew over that question during this very brief break, give us the answer on the other side. And while I'm at it, let's just say this. Uh, So I played lots of sports. You don't care about that, ladies and gentlemen. I played hockey and soccer more successfully, but there's no sport I played longer than baseball or love playing more than baseball. It's one of the reasons I'm here. We'll see <laughs> you on the other side of this break. Segment four coming up.
4: CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car.
3: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
0: It's not the great and all-powerful Oz, but he's close in Major League Baseball. His name is Rob Manfred. Commissioner Manfred, the question I put to you. Do you oh. have
2: best interest commissioners best interest clause powers to resolve these matters well the let me say this i i I think that um first of all from a fan's perspective um the single most important topic um is that the assurance that they're going to be able to see their games no matter how the bankruptcy unfolds. And we have been extraordinarily transparent about the fact that we have made preparations. We have people who have done this before. um, We are staffed up and have the capacity to step in if it becomes necessary. So from the fans' perspective, I feel like they should feel protected. And that's why we made public um, our, our position with respect to the RSNs internally um i I would say this i think that um we have had you know kind of unwavering um support from ownership for our approach um with respect to the rsns i think the one of the reasons for it i think we have the right approach number Mm -hmm. one but more important than that we saw this problem coming um you know when when you are not flat-footed. No. When Sinclair purchased the RSNs, the purchase price was, give or take, $10.5 billion. Daffy. They put $8.5 billion of debt on that $10.5 billion business. We, we We knew from the beginning. Don't do that, um, At home, that don't do that. We needed to be um, thinking about you know, what could happen, mm-hmm. what might be next. Um, the, at the same time... Um, you know, I have a great local media committee, Tom Warner from the Red Sox, obvious television, Terry McGurk from the Braves, who was Turner sports yep. for forever, um, and, and Mark Walter from the Dodgers. And, um, as we began to think about it, the strategy that we developed was triage, right? Make sure that you keep the games out there, right. but then um, begin to articulate to the clubs uh, a, a, a distribution model, a new distribution model that address some of the shortcomings that we're seeing in the regional um, sports network model, the most important of which is reach. You know, we're just not in enough homes. And so... Um, when we began talking to them, it's like we need to get through whatever this mm-hmm. problem is. We need to make sure our fans are served goal one mm-hmm. every single day. But as we go through um, the process, we should keep our eye on the ball of trying to make sure that we allow more fans to watch more games on the platforms they want to watch them on. So there has been a conversation, and it was very
0: Visible on social media about minor leagues mm-hmm. and the minor league players' treatment, their ability to sustain themselves mm-hmm. financially while right. pursuing the ultimate dream—right, ma- reaching the major leagues. The collective bargaining agreement addresses that, mm-hmm. but in the process, forty minor league franchises have been closed down. What is your midterm, long-term view? of the longevity and the health of minor league baseball? And what is your priority as the representative of the owners as commissioner of baseball?
2: Well, you know, number one, um, we have great respect for the communities that have invested in and support minor league baseball on an ongoing basis. Um, I think it's important to put some of the activity that took place in context. Um, when, When we started the renegotiation of our minor league agreement, the agreement between the major leagues and the minor leagues, our, our overarching goal had nothing to do with numbers of franchises. It had to do with making sure that the franchises that were being operated, where our employees, minor league players are our employees, were working and supposed to be developing, that those Uh, franchises had facilities and working conditions that were appropriate and suitable and suitable for the development of major league players that simple Um, and uh, it, it, it was really not about eliminating any particular number it was about eliminating places where the facilities were not adequate for the development of professional players. That was the first step in terms of improving the working conditions for our players. A big piece of it, big piece of it was travel. Mm -hmm. What was happening is, you know, there'd be a, a franchise in a particular league, they'd get a better offer from some city 500 miles away, and instead of a 40 mile bus ride, now you had a 500 mile mm-hmm. ride. Right. Um, so th- there, there were a lot of problems that, that needed to be addressed. Um, I think uh, the outlook um, for minor league baseball is, is really stable and bright. Um, you know, we're committed to 120 minor league franchises mm-hmm. under 10 year licenses, so nothing's going to happen mm-hmm. um, while those licenses are out there. I also would point out that. I think with the exception of two or three who turned down options, all of those 40 cities got some form of baseball that was associated with us. They were college wood bat leagues or development leagues Mm -hmm. that we were running. And in a a lot of those places, the quality of play was better, and they actually drew more people. So the idea that there was less baseball kind of overblown, I I, I think, in the press. Um, You know, minor league baseball continues to play – obviously a crucial role in our development process, but an important role in the marketing of the game. For a lot of people, their live baseball option is minor league baseball. Before we go, we've got about two minutes. I wanna get your thoughts on diversity, equity,
0: inclusion, and executives who are coming into this game who represent that.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. What are your thoughts? Um, Look, I think it's been a priority for us. Um, You know, our diversity efforts begin on the field. Um, we have invested heavily in youth participation, particularly in underserved areas. Um, that investment has changed the complexion of our draft. Um, you, you know, we're dra- we have about 6.5% of our major league players are African American now. Um, our draft the last few years has been double that number in terms of African Americans. Many, many of those players coming out of programs that we fund and pay for. Um, secondly, it's, I, I think it's sometimes in baseball because of Jackie Robinson and mm-hmm. the legacy, we think about diversity only in terms of African Americans. We have a very diva- diverse
0: player workforce, no right? Doubt. I mean, a very diverse. And becoming more diverse in front offices.
2: Yeah, and front offices, we, we really have the same approach that we've taken with respect to players you begin developing more african-american players at the grassroots level we are huge believers in the idea that we need to focus on our entry-level system into employment at the game Um, we have a great relationship for example with the jackie robinson foundation we we sponsor we in the clubs sponsor 30 Jackie Robinson Foundation scholars every year. Why do we do that? We, we do that because it's a great source of diverse talent for us. Um, in organizations? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and um, we have taken a very industry-wide approach to career pathing in um, baseball. We've tried to identify high-potential diverse candidates our organization at clubs, lower-level people, and tried to develop career-pass training programs that rounds them out and puts them in, in um, a position to move up through the organization they're with or with another organization. Um, we've actually marketed those high-potential individuals across the industry. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it is important. The last piece on diversity that we, we really do, the role of women in baseball, um, you know, has changed dramatically in the last few years. Their on-field presence, unbelievable. Um, having our first uh, female GM coming down with the Marlins, mm-hmm. um, really, really important milestones for baseball. That's the voice of Rob
0: Manfred. This concludes The Takeout. Stay tuned for your takeout outtake especial coming up
3: in just a second.
0: Welcome to your takeout, Outtake special. I'm Major Garrett. Welcome to Major League Baseball headquarters, Midtown Manhattan, New York City. Rob Manford is our special guest. Mr. Commissioner, you were talking as we ended the show about the role of women in baseball. I read some research somewhat recently that it wasn't known to Major League Baseball until it did some research, but one of your most reliable fan bases is single mothers who like to bring their children to ball games. Right. Talk to me about that.
2: Well, I think it begins with the nature of our game Um, we are an everyday game Um, it is hard to draw you know 65 or 70 million people to ballparks every year one at a time you need family groups and you know we, we always always strive to have a family-friendly product and the nature of the a safe game, space right the nature of the game also allows for interaction um, between family members in a natural setting right it's, it's just a great place to spend time with children um, As you know, I understand it's sort of your merchandising of jerseys and hats and things had to sort of catch up with this reality that was already going on. It it was a catch up for us. There's absolutely no um, doubt about that. The other thing I would say is this, you know, every place we have invested heavily in youth participation um, since I've been commissioner. It's it is the number one way to build fans. Kids that play become fans. Every place we do baseball, we do softball in parallel. Um, we've also, and this is sort of an interesting phenomenon, started women, girls playing baseball, mm-hmm. identical sports. They, there's something to that identity of the sport. Um, Wonderful and, movie about that. <laughs> exactly. And why, their own. Uh, why, do, why do we do that? We do that because we need women to be fans. Women are often the decision makers in terms of how entertainment dollars are spent. Yep. And um, it's something that's a real focus for us.
0: So I want to ask you something that I'm sure everyone in professional sports thinks about. It's two things. One, sports are one of the last few places where people in America who disagree on almost everything find a place to agree, point one. Point two, all of our society is affected by the public safety issue of gun violence. And I wonder how you think about that, making the stadiums safe, making the atmosphere safe, and understanding that sports are one of these places where we can still, though we disagree about lots of other things, feel we can
2: cheer for the same thing inside a stadium. Our number one priority, I mean, you kind of hit one and two, right? Mm And in in, in which order you put them hard. Um, But we want um, and try to conduct our affairs on and off the field um, in a way that makes everyone feel comfortable coming to our stadiums we want we don't care what people's politics are what their religion we we want everyone to feel welcome and and inclusive in in our ballpark atmosphere and we work very hard um in in order to maintain that i think um kind of one and one a with that is the physical safety Mm -hmm. of our fans um we have a great central security department here at major league baseball um they they are actively involved um, in monitoring particular situations but maybe more importantly in terms of driving best practices down into the individual 30 markets and you know probably the bedrock of that safety effort our clubs you you just you feel it when you go into ballparks have ongoing deep relationships with local law enforcement you must worry about this though oh you do i mean of course you do it i mean you can't gather people and not be cognizant And sometimes
0: i will tell you this mr commissioner i go to a baseball game and i go through the mag and everything's outside and i'm like there's a street and all of us are standing out here and if somebody was really crazed we are sitting ducks yeah it's i think about that i look, wonder if you think about
2: that uh, look we, we we do we think about gathering points and you know how many egress out. try to move people in and out more rapidly um and you know real professionals um far more qualified than i mm-hmm. um to think about those points where you know we should do a better job you, you see it in our ballparks too the um the perimeter creation you talked about Fenway you mm-hmm. see it around to, and, and all of that all of that is about um doing everything possible to create a safer to space. ensure that you have a safer space so we
0: have these questions we ask all of our guests but I'm going to kind of truncate them a little bit because I just want to talk to you about movies okay. and your favorite baseball movies okay which are what are they
2: um Favorite baseball movies? Easy. It was true before we went to Iowa, but if you go to Iowa like I have twice, (laughs) it's pretty easy. Field of Dreams is the winner on that front. I mean, I I have to tell you, Kevin Costner's performance for us in the first Iowa game—one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in a ballpark. Mm -hmm. What would be next on your baseball Um, movie list? You know, um, probably Pride of the Yankees. I grew up a Yankee Mm -hmm. fan. Uh, my dad was a huge Yankee fan. I mean, just, and it, it was a movie he really liked. Mm-hmm. Then Bull Durham, right? I liked <laughs> Bull Durham. Uh, you know, I'm a movie person. You know, I really am. But, uh, then Bull Durham. I'll just finish the
0: list for you. <laughs>
2: then Bull Durham, then Sandlot. Uh, yeah.
0: That would be my top four. Uh, anyway, good. Mr. Commissioner, great to spend time with you. Thanks for all the uh, information and perspective. I love baseball. America loves baseball. It's my show. I get to say that. It's all true. We'll see you next
1: week. The Takeout is produced by Arden Fari, Jamie Benson, Sarah Cook, Ellie Watson, Jake Rosen, and Ashley Armstrong. CBSN production by Eric Susanan. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Takeout Podcast. That's at Takeout Podcast. And for more, go to TakeoutPodcast.com. The Takeout is a production of CBS News. If you like the takeout, you
0: can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey.
1: How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix,